Welcome back to the Spiritual Disciplines podcast. Uh, as we hear our amazing praise team singing us in this afternoon, it's amazing. Uh, I'm I'm the youth minister Jeff Adair, and I'm here with uh, Steve Gibbony. Uh, Steve, how's it going today? Going great. How about you? Uh, doing good. The weather's changing, so I'm spending a lot of more time out with Cy with Ethan. So it's a good time. Good time. Um, well, glad to have you back here today. And uh, before we dive into the individual discipline we're going to get with today, I wanted to quickly go over the results of spiritual formation that we had last week uh, so we can get our minds thinking about the future and so we have a vision uh, of those results as we grow through this process. So uh, if we want to go through the results uh, real quick, Steve, let's, let's get started. All right. Well, sure. So spiritual formation, we talked about being Christ being formed in us. So, of course, that is one of the major benefits, the prime benefit. But there are other benefits that we gained that we talked about in the class as well, too. So as well as our Christ-likeness continuing to grow and pushing out that natural selfish ambitions in our life, uh, our relationship with Christ will deepen. Um, God will be honored in doing that in our lives. And then finally, we'll be prepared for the day of Christ's return. And so we'll talk a little bit briefly about each of those here in the next couple of moments. Awesome. Um, and, but I really like what Ruth Haley Barton uh, says again. She defines it like this. She says, spiritual transformation is the process by which Christ is formed in us for the glory of God, for the abundance of our own lives, and for the sake of others. Wow. Okay, and this kind of change we can't produce or manufacture for ourselves, but it is what we most need, and it is what those around us most need. Oh, wow. So I don't touch on that a whole lot, but I wanted to make sure that we did uh, hear that, that whatever benefits it brings to us, it has this, this impact on those around us. And, and she says, you know, it's what they most need. That is awesome. And uh, so I thought it was great to make sure that we... Uh, would highlight that. Definitely, yeah. That's that's an amazing thing to say. Yeah. So first, it moves us towards Christ-likeness. As we saw in the letter to the, to the Philippians, Paul expresses um, there and in other letters that Christ became what we are so that we could become like he is. And he's, he talks about that in Romans chapter 8. So he became like us so we can become like Christ. We talked about that. Inner attitudes that often control us negatively are changed to more Christ-like ones through spiritual formation, which is Christ being formed in us. Mm -hmm. And so in Romans chapter 8, what he says is that the law was powerless uh, because it was weakened by the flesh, but God sent his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So when we're living according to the spirit, then Christ and his sacrifice came in the flesh like us, allows us to be like him by meeting the requirements of the law without even having to be governed by the law. Right. That's awesome. You know, earlier we discussed some internal movements uh, that happen with our transformation, you know, uh, sorrow to joy, uh, resentment to gratitude, and fear to love. Uh, then, of course, there's many others, you know, the moving uh, from self-gratification to self-control that Paul talks about in Galatians chapter 5. Um, I know there's a couple other ones, um, you know, in 1 John, uh, he talks about that as well. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, you know, God is love. And that's what John talks about in his letter. And he says, you know, whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. And this is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. Mm. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. Yeah. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. And so Jesus lived without fear and he did everything out of love. And so we are like Jesus if we learn to let go of that fear and that we let love drive everything that we do. That sounds amazing. That would be awesome as we can become more Christ-like from the inside out. Um, What a way to honor God by becoming more like his son. That is an amazing thing to to strive for, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And God is honored when we live that way. Um, When Moses was on Mount Sinai the second time, making the tablets again, (laughs) uh, the Ten Commandments, uh, since the first ones got smashed, you know, he goes up there and he asks God to show him his glory. And in in the Hebrew, that word could also be translated as honor. Oh, okay. Show me your honor, God, he said. And God said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to show you my goodness. Okay? So we have that, that famous scene where God passes by. He puts his hand up in front of Moses, right. and he passes by. And what he does then is proclaim his goodness. And that goodness is what makes him worthy of honor. Uh. So in Exodus chapter 34, it says he passed by in front of Moses, proclaiming the Lord the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave guilty, unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. And then these attributes of God appear repeatedly throughout the Old Testament. And so each of these are characteristics that are possible for us to develop and grow in. Compassion, graciousness, slowness to anger, being abounding in love and faithfulness, and forgiving others of the wickedness, rebellion, and sin that may be done against us. Um, God has those attributes and it makes him worthy of honor. And when Jesus came to earth, it says in the, in the book of John that he glorified, or again, the word there in the Greek is, is honored. Oh, wow, he okay. honored God in his life by exhibiting God's nature. It says, John, the gospel, first chapter, verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory or his honor, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Hmm. So Jesus was full of grace and truth. He had those same characteristics of God, and that honored God. His yeah. life was lived, and it honored God. My favorite, one of my favorite things about John one fourteen is that he made his dwelling that the the word that he's, you know, he tabernacled among us, like he mm-hmm. set up his house right among us. I've always loved that, always loved that. 
Um, you know, when Christ uh, is in us, we uh, live like he did. We honor God, like, a, like Paul says in Colossians uh, chapter 1. Uh, this happens when we are compassionate, gracious, and slow to anger, abounding in love and forgiving. Um, those are always attributes, I think, even if for those of you out there that, that uh, um, may not uh, have the Holy Spirit and have Jesus in your life, I think those are things that most people would want to strive for. Um, so this idea of spiritual transformation and getting to that is an, another amazing thing that I'm glad we're uh, sitting down to talk about, Steve. So uh, it's, um, as you know, it's a lifelong process to get to uh, abounding in love and forgiving. Um, I'm almost 40, and I am still learning how to do every all those things. So, and um, 61. Still learning. <laughs> there you go. See, I love that. That's, we, can, we can still be learning uh, all the time. Uh, so it's a lifelong process. Uh, that's, that's awesome to hear. You know, uh, Paul says in Colossians chapter 1 that uh, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, the, the hope of honoring God. That's, that we, so when we have Christ in us, it, we have that hope to, to honor God. I love that. Yeah, it's a lifelong process. Yeah. You know, we'll never live it to perfection. Mm. But increasingly, we can develop lives that do honor God. We can hope to bring God honor as we persevere and grow in character. Yeah, so, so when we talk about a lifelong process, Steve, um, and we'll never live it to perfection, uh, what can you say to the perfectionists out there that, uh, that are listening when they hear something like that? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, grace is what I can tell you. Uh-huh. Um, we are not expected to live this perfectly. Um, but, you know, Romans, uh, Paul says that we have been justified by faith and uh, that faith gains us access into grace. And that grace is in is what we now stand in, he says. Um, we hope, he says, in the, the glory of God. We hope that our lives will give honor to God. Um, but he says it happens when we suffer trials and we suffer difficulties in life and that leads to perseverance perseverance then will build our character and that character gives us that hope Mm. so it's it's a process and we will develop over life uh our lifetimes um into that kind of person that he calls us to but as he says here in romans chapter five um we do this under the umbrella of grace i love that so those perfectionists out there, don't be don't be so hard on yourself. Don't be so hard on yourself. Um, and the uh, so when we honor God, uh, which is one of the primary goals of our of spiritual formation, um, so we need to be transformed into the image of God. And um, it's it's good that you say that we can do it step by step or little by little, uh, because I like to see progress myself uh, every day of some sort. So when you say that we can still grow in our uh, deeper relationship with, with God, a little step-by-step, step, I, I like hearing that. Yeah, yeah. And, and absolutely, uh, as we go through this process, our relationship with God, with God will be deepened. When we engage in spiritual disciplines, we are taking our focus off our day-to-day worries. We're giving our attention to God. We're spending time with Him. We're in two-way communication that will naturally build a stronger relationship. It's not about knowing more facts about God, but knowing and trusting his character and willingly submitting to him in trust. Oh, wow. 
you know, I, I, I told the class I, that Yolanda and I had this joke between us that she would always, she would say early in our marriage, you know, she'd say, you know, in so much as we have this thing called a relationship, why don't we sit down and, and have some talk time? <laughs> you know, so talk time is very important. Spending time together is very important into deepening a relationship. Yeah. And so it's, it's no different with God. In James chapter 4, James writes, Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Love that. We draw near to God, and he will draw near to us. Our relationship will will deepen. And then back in the book of Romans again, Paul says in chapter 8, you know, those of us who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. We get to be a part of the family. We don't have the spirit of slavery uh, it's not that we're in this kind of a cult where we're a slave, right. but we are a part of the family. And he says even so much that we can use that really uh, endearing term of Abba, Father, when yeah. we talk to him. It's a close relationship that we have with him. And his spirit uh, agrees with our spirit that we are children of God, it says. So uh, we are heirs, co-heirs with Christ, and we will also share in his glory. So it's it's a relationship that gets built if we are led by the Spirit of God. And that's what spiritual formation is about. That uh, Abba Father, that um, I, I always heard it as um, kind of like a daddy. It's like, like the endearing term of daddy. Is that, am, I, am I correct on that? Yeah, that's what, that's what I've heard as well. That's awesome. I would love... For uh, for all of us to have that kind of relationship with God, where we can feel comfortable and let's call him Daddy, that'd be that'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. So we're going to share in His glory, Steve. What um, I know that's probably a loaded question, but you know, for for what we're talking about here, what exactly are you are you talking about there when we share in His glory? Well, uh, when we when we share in His glory, one we'll share in that honor we were just talking about. Yes, okay. you know, uh, our lives can be will be honored by Him the same way that we honor Him by our lives. But it also means that we are prepared for Christ's return. Oh, there you go. Okay. When, he, when he comes back in his glory, we'll be prepared. And that's the kind of the, the final piece of this benefit that we get from spiritual formation is um, something that Paul talked about a whole lot in his letters. Uh, you will see the day of Christ uh, or some form of that phrase throughout his letters. And very often it's in um, relationship to our spiritual growth so that we're ready to be the bride of Christ when he comes. So in Philippians chapter one, when he's praying uh, for them at the very beginning of the letter, he says, you know, I'm thanking God every time I remember you in all my prayers, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from, from the first day till now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So we talked about God's part. Yeah. God's part is uh, that he will help carry us through. So in the, in the, in the day of Christ's return, we will, be, we will be ready to be with him. That's awesome. And he continues on a little bit later and says... You know, my prayer is that your love may grow more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. 
So that, that goal of Paul's was for us to be pure and blameless for the day of Christ and ready when he comes. I love that. Um, and he, he said, you know, I really want you to, I want to be able to present you as a pure virgin. Uh, this is what he said to the Corinthians and the okay. letters. And so um, spiritual transformation, again, will glorify God, give us that abundant life, and it blesses those around us, makes us ready uh, for Christ when he returns. It'll increase our heart for God. It'll increase our heart for the church. And it'll increase our heart for the world. Yeah, that's, I, I love that. Um, how we, um, it's going to bless those around us. That's so when we take care of ourselves, it actually blesses those around us. That, what a concept. Yeah. What a concept that is. That is so cool. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Steve, what do you say we get to into the specific discipline we're going to get to today and uh, give some practical ways for those listening to implement and create a healthy rhythm? What do you okay. say? Sure. That sounds good. Uh, first of all, let's just talk about the word discipline because we've been talking about spiritual formation a lot. And we're talking now about the spiritual disciplines. So you know, Jesus calls us. Uh, to carry our cross. Paul describes how he trained to get the prize. And both of these carry the idea of discipline on our journey to grow spiritually. So spiritual disciplines uh, help us to develop deeper relationship with God and to attune us to the truth that God, Jesus, and the Spirit are present with us all at all times. They are what were called heartbeats in the discovering heart and class. Oh, I love that. So we began this series with the Sermon on the Mount, which is Jesus' vision for his disciples, which spiritual formation and disciplines are designed to help us to realize. So again, as Jesus said, carry your cross takes discipline. Yeah. He also spoke of uh, the pearl of great price, the yeah. kingdom being like that. Um, that It's something that's so precious that we would give up anything for it. And believe me, you know, giving up things takes discipline. Yes, it does. <laughs> you, know, you, ever try to, you ever try to give up sweets or whatever, you, you realize that takes some discipline to yes. do that. And again, Paul talks about uh, running in such a way as to get a prize. He talked about it being strict training. So so discipline, there's there's some work on our side. Yeah. You know, there's a part that we play in it, and it's going to be denying ourselves. It's going to be giving up things. It's going to be ready to be trained um, so that we can be good, so good soldiers of Christ. Yeah. Love that. When we, uh, you know, we, we know that God is always present with us, um, but are we always truly present with him? Uh, because like the young children, you know, who have called uh, multiple times, like Ethan, I just come to my mind, you know, Ethan, uh, he's not talking fully yet, but he will definitely pull on your shirt to let you know what's going on if you don't, if you're not paying attention to him. Um, so, you know, like what God is calling us, but we aren't focused and listening to him. So uh, I wonder what, um, how do we get our minds to slow down enough and stop being distracted uh, for so long uh, to do the things that deepen our relationship with God? So as, as Danny said in, in one of his sermons recently, and I really love what he said, so it's really stuck with me. He said, the Christian life is not about obedience, but relationship. Hmm. Yes. Have a deepening relationship with God and we will freely want to be obedient. That's true. He also said that relationship is not about trying to bring our best self to God, but our real self to him. And then when we do this, he will bring out our best self. Okay. And I'm still stealing from Danny here. He said the Christian walk is not about keeping tradition, but transformation. And when we are truly transformed, 
then our traditions will honor God and they will come from a heart like his. And so I just really, uh, that's really stuck with me. Uh, and that was in a, a, a message a few months ago. And I just, I, I think it really hit the mark. Yeah, that's true. For practicing spiritual disciplines for deeper relationship with God and transformation cannot be based on duty, mechanics, or willpower. Focus must not be on the external practices, but using them as pathways to allow God to transform us. The pathways, um, I love that. <clears throat> so Steve, do you think practicing these spiritual disciplines is, is a must for any Christian? Sure, sure. But... But our world today is busy. Uh, technologies, uh, they're supposed to cause more labor-saving and time-saving benefits, have actually made us try to pack more productive activity, quote-unquote, yes. <laughs> into each moment. Uh, downtime uh, may now be spent on devices so we don't miss anything. That's true. We take walks, stand in lines, and eat our lunch glued to our phones. But what we end up losing are moments of peace where our minds can take a break and just clear up for a while. And even more so, we lose time to refresh ourselves in quiet time or solitude time spent with God. But I want to relate a, a, a story. Leslie Rowe mentioned that often when she's standing in line, yeah, she'll be looking at her phone, but what she's doing is she's got her Bible out. Yeah. And she'll take those moments to actually um, not waste but spend feeding on the word of right. God. So there's a time for being glued to the phone. It just depends on what you're being glued to. There you go. Very true. That's right. <laughs> we'll uh, have to look now when everybody's in the auditorium now to see if on their phone, whether somebody going around checking, make sure that they're on their Bible app. I'm not to do that now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, that was, you know, a funny thing to a lot of people when we started using uh, phones as Bibles. Okay, um, yeah. Some people uh, would notice, how come people? Are looking at their phones during worship and, no. and, and they were using their Bible. It just took a little bit of getting used to that. Yeah. Um, you know, Carl Jung, who's a, a psychoanalyst from the previous century, he said, um, hurry is not of the devil. It is the devil. Oh, wow. Now, Steve, I want to stop you there real quick because um, in one of your classes, you touched on a survey um, about how Christians shared that uh, busyness and constant overload uh, was one of their major distractions from God. And I would love to briefly go over that um, survey because it's, it's just fascinating to me. Yeah, this man uh, named Michael Zigarelli uh, conducted this survey as an associate professor of management at the Charleston University School of Business. Okay. Um, and he describes a, a vicious cycle prompted by cultural conformity. Oh, wow. Now, as a business school, but he, he has some spiritual implications here. So he says, uh, it may be the case that, based on his research, Christians are assimilating a culture of busyness, hurry, and overload, wow. which leads to God becoming more marginalized in Christians' lives. Uh-oh. Which leads to a deteriorating relationship with God, which again leads to Christians becoming even more vulnerable to adopting secular assumptions about how to live. Wow. And then that leads to more conformity to that culture of busyness, hurry, and overload. And then the cycle just begins again. Wow. And Barton kind of follows that up by saying, we are becoming increasingly aware 
of the fact that no matter how much one spiritualizes it, Christian busyness must not be confused with the Christian spiritual life or with the Christian's experience of God. So even in the church, Christians, we can get so busy in, in our day-to-day life, but also maybe in our activities at church that, that we're so busy, um, we forget that that's not really um, quality time with God. Right. And so uh, we, we our relationship stays at a superficial level. Yeah. So amazing to hear because, you know, it's like our Western culture now is kind of like if you're not busy, then you're not productive almost. It kind of seems like uh, how our society is telling us that if you're not busy, then you're not being productive. Right. And we're measured by and we're measured by that. And we kind right. of live where a society lives by how we're measured, you know, yeah. is, that our, is our worth and our, is our value based on that, you know. And a lot of us would like for that to be different, but we really don't know where to start. That's very true. You know, how do we get out of that cycle? Uh, so the question is, uh, who is in control, the world or God? And as Paul says in Romans, we're, we will either be conformed or transformed. There you go. I want to insert a real quick uh, youth camp story real quick for you. Because um, each year we've had, we have a prayer walk. And it's usually in the middle of the week, and there's uh, stations set up, and there's a scripture and some and some uh, some words uh, to help prompt them to kind of get their mind in the right way. And one of the most popular ones of the past few years has been one of uh, the scriptures, Luke five sixteen, says Jesus went away to lonely places and prayed. So we have this pond there on the campground, and there's a shelter right next to it. And so I just put that scripture up on the campground, and that was it. I said, just listen to God. Because you're out there in the middle of nowhere in the country, and all you hear is crickets and all the great stuff you hear in the country. And at the very end of the prayer walk is always the campfire. And the kids would come to the campfire. You'd see some with tears and some just because that solitude station. The generation doesn't, they're not taught how to slow down because they're in that cycle of got to be busy, got to be productive, got to be doing something. So we took their phone away and had them spend time with God. And it is always a profound experience for everyone. So... Uh, benefit for the next generation. I'll give a little tip. Put your phone down every once in a while. It's a good thing. Awesome. Awesome yeah. story. Yeah, it's a, a cool thing when you hear those kids come back and say, the Solitude Station was my favorite. Like, wow. Okay. It's coming back next year then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know your goal with the uh, Discovering Heartland series, um, so we can teach and encourage all Heartland members to move through the stages in their journey as disciples of Jesus, uh, growing more like him. Uh, becoming Christ to the community and the world around us. So the goals you have in this class are awesome with these spiritual disciplines. And so the practical steps that I want to get started with um, before we get in there today, but what can we do to uh, to help start this um, discovering uh, Heartland series and discovering ourselves, basically, Steve? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, great question. We want uh, eventually we want to get down to something practical here. Yeah. So I so I uh, hope this is a part that people can take home with them and say, hey, here's something that I can do that will help me on this on this road or or help me to continue wherever I am. And we've talked about this before. It starts with desire, of course. You know, you got to have that desire to do it. We have to to make ourselves be present with God and can take that take that time clear our mind out. And have that willingness to examine ourselves. Yeah. Um, 
But then the first real uh, you know, practical step we've got to do is build some unhurried time into our calendars. There you go. Yep. You know, it's not going to happen unless we have some intentionality about it. It's true. We say, you know, we're just going to do this. It has to be on my schedule or it's not going to happen. So, you know, Jesus did it. Uh, he had crowds clamoring around him everywhere, but he still went off to lonely places and prayed. A lot of times it said early in the morning. Yeah. Um, we we just know from the, the business world, um, Stephen Covey popularized the idea of how we are driven by the urgent versus the important okay. so much. And he stressed even in the business world to think about those things which are important rather than those things that are urgent. Oh, wow. Things are always pulling on us to say, you know, you know, uh, pay attention to me, pay attention to me. Right. Uh, and But most of those things are not really what's important. So I challenged the class to, you know, compare our busyness. Stop and think about how busy we really are and how important we really are. Uh, and compare it to Jesus, or Paul, or Moses. Oh, boy. Uh, Moses led a, was leading a million people. Yeah. I don't think he had a busy day. Let's see. Uh, really. Yet he spent a lot of time uh, in this presence of God, talking to him, listening to him. Yeah. So start with small ways. Make it easy for you to keep this habit. Start in small ways. Carve out a little time into your day or, or, or to your week, to your month so that you can start a rhythm that will repeat and that will just you know, continue to bless you. Yeah, it becomes like a, just another thing, like a eating or breathing. Just, yeah. If you get it done enough, it just, that's what it, that's what it happens. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, you will do what you prioritize. Yeah, there you go, yeah. You know? So, you know, just um, don't, you know, think you're just too busy to do it. Find that time, you'll make the time, and you'll benefit from it. So, what do you uh, do? You have anything to say to the people that are that, that say, "Oh, I'm too busy for that." Do you have any anything to say about, "Hey, I don't have time to build that into my calendar"? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you do. You just have to find out where that is. You know, you have to uh, examine. Maybe start by examining what you're really spending those extra few minutes here and there on. There you go. You know, how important are those things? Yeah. Okay. I like that. So, all right, Steve, with the desire, willingness, and thought about making big and small spaces in our day, uh, we can create that good spiritual rhythm that will go on, like you said, like we said earlier, little by little. So, since we are so busy and having trouble focusing, I love where we're going to start today. Uh, so, let's get into that first discipline. What do you say? All right. That sounds good. So, we're going to get into the individual discipline. We're going to start with uh, quiet reflection, which is solitude, silence, and self-examination. I love that we're starting here because it's kind of like a setup for all the other ones. It kind of goes hand in hand here. I realized that we needed to talk about this one first because uh, it's been called a container discipline. Uh, It's the setting for the other disciplines. Okay. Okay. But it's also a discipline that stands on its own. So these disciplines are involve solitude, silence, and self-examination. So there's three parts to that. Okay, so I'm, I'm sure everybody out there knows uh, self-examination, but what would we say an easy description of solitude and silence would be? Well, anytime we spend time in study or meditation on Scripture or prayer is a time of quiet and on our own. So we are practicing solitude and silence then. Okay, all right. But, again, the disciplines of solitude and silence 
uh, on their own are being alone with God, reflecting on your relationship, examining your life, and how God wants to transform you, listening to what God wants you to hear. Mm. So that's basically what solitude and silence are, is stopping and listening, um, having your heart connected with God's heart to see what he wants to tell you. Now, self-examination, it goes along with this. It's to be honest with yourself and God about where you need to be transformed. It's where your heart is softened to God's leading. And that's uh, the self-examination. I got to say that's one of the things uh, that has been the struggle for for me of the past few years. Because uh, to be honest with myself, that's something that was pretty easy once I uh, met Sarah and uh, fell in love and everything else. You know, I was kind of honest with myself. Um, but then uh, I tried to have that same vision of myself for a long time. But I kept getting older, so my vision <laughs> changed. So I didn't look at myself the same way. So I'm, I'm getting more honest with myself, um, having to stretch every morning before I do anything else, things like that. Self-examination, I love that. And, and listening to God and where your heart is softened to God's leading, I love that. It reminds me of Psalm 4610, where he says, you know, be still and know that I am God. That's one of the great psalms that I love. Um, so the um, self-examination, you have this part of self-awareness. And that's something that not everyone knows about. So uh, could you expand on that just a little bit? Because we have to be self-aware when we examine ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, we, yeah, we have to be aware of ourselves, our spiritual faults, and can confess them to God who already knows them. Yeah. Uh, we cannot be transformed in those ways we either deny or don't understand before we can even begin to confront them. That's right. Okay. Um, but it's critical uh, to start this um, time with God, reflecting and basking in God's love, His mercy, and acceptance. Yeah, that's true. Okay. This sets the stage and ensures that our self-examination doesn't just turn into beating ourselves up. Yeah. Um, feeling unworthy, unlovable, and without value. But it reminds us that God is for us and revealing our weaknesses in detail is for our healing and that we are dependent on Christ. And that we are a value because God has given us that value. So I I want us to be sure that when we talk about this self-examination, it doesn't turn into some negative... um, thing where we just feel worse about ourselves right yeah and we can do that because we live in a judgmental and critical world yeah and if we picture people who have uh criticized us or judges in the past then when we start to look at ourselves um we we see that we hear those voices but we need to hear god's voice yeah psalms 19 says who can discern their own errors god forgive my hidden faults Mm -hmm. Um, we need to be in close contact with God to be able to um, sit with him and help him reveal our hidden faults to us. And Psalm 139 uh, ends with this, which is uh, something that we're probably all very familiar with. And it says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So as I mentioned, quieting the mind is a part of any time of prayer or in the word. 
But the purpose of spiritual discipline is for our transformation, which requires that we look honestly at ourselves and be transformed from the inside out. And the New Testament also encourages each of these practices. So, yeah, I think of uh, Paul in Philippians 4, where he says, you know, what, um, whatever is true, whatever is noble, uh, whatever is right, whatever is pure, uh, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those such things. I, when you think about that, have transformed the inside out, I, those things is what I think about mm-hmm. Love that. Yeah, when we're entering our time with God, it's important to set our mind on those things and also to just set our minds and hearts on things above where Christ is, as, he, as Paul says in the book of Colossians as well. Throughout the Bible, many of God's leaders have uh, spent time alone in solitude with him uh, to hear from him, get direction. You know, Moses, David, Elijah, Jonah, John the Baptist. Um, they received direction, uh, encouragement, and they were confronted with their hard truths about themselves, and they communed with God, basking in his presence. Um, I love being able to go back in the Bible and, and relate to those people, because uh, just off the, off the top of my head, Jonah is always one that I always relate to, because running away from God, and then the big fish, I always thought of it as, as God giving Jonah a safe place to talk to him, because he was on a ship, it was a you know, storm in the water. And so God's like, I'll give a big fish to swallow him up so I can give a one-on-one conversation in the belly of a fish with God. I've always thought about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, many of God's leaders have spent time with him. So it's a, a wonderful thing. Yeah. Jesus made a practice of spending time in solitude with God. You know, we know at the beginning of his ministry or before his ministry started, he spent 40 days in the wilderness yeah. alone. And, and during his ministry, said he spent time alone with God regularly. As you mentioned earlier, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. The apostles also spent a lot of time in solitude with God. Paul spent a lot of time alone in Arabia, communing with Christ. And we see Peter alone with God on a rooftop when he receives a message from God. That's true. And that was the message to go and preach to the Gentiles. So it was a very important message that he received in solitude with God. And, you know, Steve, last week we talked about Henry Nouwen, um, and he he called the uh, solitude a furnace of transformation. I just loved that term. Um, so when we were alone with God, we were confronted with our old self that needs to be changed. Um, I love that way he called it the furnace of transformation. And I know that Jesus has spent time in the furnace, and I know that other people have as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it is in that time of solitude with God uh, where we struggle with the old self. But we also encounter a God who offers himself and his son as the substance of our new self. Oh, wow. And I like the way that he put that. Yeah. Um, we're going to struggle with our old self. But again, God is there. He's giving us Christ to um, be what we are going to be transformed into. Right. Um, here in solitude, I see and admit that I, I cannot change myself. I'm weak, but God is strong, and he can change me. Now, I may be uncomfortable and want to run away. I may want to take comfort in things like my work, my status, uh, my other things that distract me, just so I feel comfortable with what what's known right. again and, and comfortable with who I am. But those things are part of what Nowen and others call the false self, um, that only believes I am of value because my of my accomplishments or status. Oh yeah. Okay. So when you're spending this time in solitude, uh, you need to stay with it. 
until you feel comfortable in God's presence. Uh, and even though we know we are, we are nothing compared to him, he loves me regardless of how the world gives value. Yeah. So, um, as you said, Jesus entered the furnace of solitude. During that 40 days, um, he was tempted. And it says that he was tempted with the three compulsions of the world. To be relevant. Yeah. When he was asked or told to turn these stones into loaves. To be spectacular. When Satan tempted him to throw himself down off the pinnacle. And to be powerful. When Satan said, I will give you all these kingdoms. So he was tempted in all those ways that we are tempted. But what was his answer? It was there that he affirmed God as the only source of his identity. Yeah. You must worship the Lord your God and serve him alone. Not those other things that the world runs after. Right. The world says that they're going to give you to. That's another thing um, I've always found about that story is that um, a couple of things the devil quotes scripture and that he has he's trying to give away something that is not even his so I've always mm-hmm. thought those two things were interesting about that story um, good stuff Steve let's 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 keep it moving along though but uh, let's how about we give those those listening some easy ways to get started with this discipline so they can begin to get into the rhythm and hopefully when we see everybody or talk to everybody at church and in your class on Sunday they're like hey I did this this weekend. So yeah. what do you say we give them some uh, practical ways to get, get started? Mm-hmm. Okay, great. So we already talked about finding that time on your schedule, blocking the time out, making sure it's a priority. But when you do that, just find yourself a quiet place in, the, in that few minutes of your day. Be silent. Relax. Breathe deeply. Uh, focus your mind on being present with God. Still your mind. Forget the day's schedule. Uh, forget the problems you're facing. All the other distractions of the day. And and if it helps, I'm not sure if it does help with everybody, but you might do visualizations. There's very, various things you can visualize. Uh, one would be like taking those worries of the day and placing them on the shelf. Okay. So they're out of the way. Yeah. And that's not been a way I've done it, but it works for some people. Yeah. Other things you might want to visualize to put yourself in that calm and peaceful mood is, you know, some place that's really special to you. Maybe that you've seen in the past on a vacation or uh, just a place that you remember from your childhood growing up. So, so Jeff, do you have a place like that that oh. you... I do. Uh, a couple of years ago, I was, I was fortunate enough to be uh, to go to the Pepperdine Bible Lectures over in uh, Malibu, California, and I was challenged by uh, um, a person that I know there, uh, another minister friend of mine, to go up to the uh, the cross they have on top of one of the. Well, you know, it's in California, so it's a cliff. I was going to say hill, but I'm from Kansas, so we have we have tall hills. But there's a cross on, and you're out looking over uh, the Pacific Ocean, and you're right there on the cliff, and there's a cross up there challenged me to do it for an hour and I was up there for an hour and that was an amazing experience so much so that I, I still go back to it you know at least once a week uh, in my mind at least I, I wish I could go back to Malibu once a week but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's 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 a great place um, so I would say uh, Pepperdine um, looking out over the Pacific Ocean was mm-hmm. uh, was my place that recently mm-hmm. so yeah yeah and I'm sure a lot of people have a place like that that it was really just peaceful and beautiful and and so if that's what it takes you know, 
put your mind, put yourself in that place yeah, nice. uh, to, to calm yourself down. Okay. Uh, visualize yourself being with God. You know, that's part of that being present. Um, God is right there with you. Yes. It's just it's just acknowledging that and uh, being with Him. You know, get the noise out of your mind. Try to try to quiet down and get the noise out of your mind. Um, I don't know if this works for you, but you know, you might repeat a repeat a phrase from Scripture like "The Lord is my shepherd" or something. If you're having trouble clearing your mind out, okay. But always know that when you when you do this, your mind is going to fight against it. Random thoughts are going to come back and distract you. You'll be getting focused, and all of a sudden, you realize your mind is drifted. Uh, but it's a discipline, and that's why they call it a discipline. So, don't give up. Just continue to refocus over and over for that whatever time you've committed, and stick with it. There you um, go. You know, some days it'll be easier, some days it'll be harder, but but stay for that amount of time that you picked. You know, there are other practical ideas. Um, I think it's good if you just have a regular time of day that you can do it. Um, if you're, you know, especially if you're like me and you're a schedule-oriented person, that yeah. really helps you stick with it. Uh, some people, you know, are are more schedule-oriented and some are not. But but try to try to pick a time so that it's consistent. Uh, and it may be early in the morning. And what you might do there is is use that time to kind of prepare a little bit for your day. God, you know, I'm spending time alone with you to to help get your strength for the day, um, to help um, me to react in the way that you want me to. Yeah. So you can use it to prepare for the day. You can also use it uh, to look back on on today. Okay. Maybe if you do it in the evening, you can look back on the day. Or if you do it in the morning, you can look back on yesterday. Right. And think about the times uh, where you realize God's Spirit was guiding you. Or were there times when you let your emotions get the best of you? You know, and how will you handle that better next time? So those are some, some ways that you can set your mind to how is this uh, time with God going to impact my day? Yeah. I love what Psalm 139, talk about that in class. I just encourage everyone to read that entire psalm. It talks about God's presence and um, our being with him and the examination of ourselves in God's presence. So for the self-examination part of it, here are some questions that you can ask yourself as well, too. Okay. We have this in a handout form that we give to class, and so if anyone would like that, certainly the office can get that information to you. See, I'll put these questions down in the uh, podcast description as well in the show notes. Yeah. Um, But ask these questions when you're going into the self-examination phase. Where do I tend to rely on myself rather than God? Hmm. Um, He'll show you some areas where you're not relying on him. What scriptures are most challenging for me to follow? Is it the fruits of spirit? Is it being not being anxious? You know, what is it? What are some of the challenges that God wants to help you overcome? Awesome. Uh, you might ask questions like, "What's what drives me? What are really my motivations? Is it that I want control?" I want everything to be controlled so they come out the way I want them to in my life and, and in those around me. Uh, is, it, is it status? 
is it is it money and success or is it approval of others just to have people approve of me what are those things that drive me that will help you kind of get down to in the self-examination process right uh, what things besides God are being your motivations you might ask when do I get defensive uh, when am I self-protective oh okay yeah mm-hmm. Is there anyone I need to apologize to? Finally, ask God's grace to help you to change. You know, confessing what you cannot do on your own. Uh, remembering you are loved and forgiven even though you need growth. Oh, yes. That little by little we talked about early on, it's so comforting. Um, you know, Steve, I think this, this is actually a great spot to end this episode on silence, solitude, and self-examination. This, this was really good stuff. Love this. So should we give a preview on what we'll be covering next week? Sure. Next week, we're going to be talking about Scripture. Study, memorization, and meditation. Three different ways for us to approach Scripture. You know, it all starts with God's Word. God is the creator. God is the initiator. He's reached out to us with His Word uh, to transform us. And so there's no better place to start once we have gotten ourselves into this attitude of solitude and silence and quietness with God than to dwell on His Word. I love that. Awesome. Well, everybody out there listening, make sure you get your Bibles for next week. Uh, we're going to be uh, diving into Scripture. Uh, we're going to be studying, going to be memorizing, and we're going to be meditating on it. It's going to be it's going to be a good time. Uh, Steve, thank you again so much for for sharing all this. Um, I, I know it's going to be a great benefit for everyone, and I know it's it's been awesome uh, preparing for our conversation, uh, going through your notes and stuff. So it's been great. I appreciate it. I've enjoyed it too. Thank you. Uh, have a great week, Steve. We'll see you later on. All right, you too. There is a God. There is a God.